Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on. Hutton and Withrow here. Happy St. Paddy's Day. St. Madness. St. Madness Day is what we're calling it here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. You can't see the the bar, but it is packed uh, right behind us, Chad, uh, with... Great you, crowd. You, were, you, were, you noticed this first, and you're right. I was just outside. A lot of people wearing school colors not represented in the tournament. I take and, issue and with green this. at the same. I take issue with this. I saw three Michigan hats yeah. during the Michigan State game. Maybe they're just trolling. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe. Saw a guy in a Syracuse pullover also. Maybe just really sad about Jim Beheim being forced out. Yeah. But I feel or, like or if your cold. team isn't in the tournament, you sacrifice the ability to wear your team gear. You just go neutral. Just don't wear team gear. Especially on St. Patty's Day. Yeah, we, there was a girl yesterday in a UNC Asheville jersey, which shocked me. And that's perfect. That was here at 6th and Peabody, right? You're on board with that for yeah, a while. Yeah, they played that night. Like, yeah. great. I want to see more UNC Asheville jerseys if they're in the tournament, less Michigan hats when they're in the NIT. Trey Wallace is in Greensboro, and he's going to catch Kentucky's matchup against Providence later this evening. Saw a great game between Xavier and Kennesaw State earlier today. And right now, uh, in front of him, he's got a blowout with Pittsburgh leading Iowa State 19-2. to Trey, hope things are well in Greensboro. And you saw a great finish earlier today with Kennesaw State and Xavier. Xavier advancing. Yeah, what a wild game. Hope you guys are well. That was uh, – I, I was not expecting that as the concert goes on over the head of me. Uh, man, Kennesaw State played so good. Um, but really just couldn't get anything going down there at the end. They had a shot to win it, but, man, when, when Xavier went on that run, Kennesaw State was just struggling, guys, to, to find a shot. So, hey, look, we, we've seen some crazy upsets in this tournament so far, and uh, I got a great story out of it with some obliterated Kennesaw State fans uh, kind of sitting next to me. So it was a uh, it was a fun atmosphere and, and a really good game. And, and now I'm sitting here – we got a blowout going on with Pittsburgh right now over Iowa State. So, already just a wild day, boys. Yeah, pit up by 17 in the first half with 12 minutes to play in the first half there. Trey, what's the pressure like with Kentucky as they tip off tonight against Providence? You wrote about this today at OutKick. Yeah, it's, it's, look, this is tough. You, you, if you're Kentucky, and you guys know this, you can't go another year getting bounced in the first round of the tournament. You know, St. Peter's got them in 2022 in Indianapolis. They were bouncing the first round, uh, the first game that they played in Nashville last week in the SEC tournament. You come out here and you lose to Ed Cooley and Providence, first round tournament. I'm just saying, like, it's been such a weird year for Kentucky that if they end up losing this game tonight, you're going to have a lot of agitated Kentucky fans. You're going to have a lot of people coming after John Calipari. Rightfully so, in my opinion, just because you look at the roster that they have, guys, they shouldn't be losing some of these games. This is a Kentucky team that I don't understand. I think everybody's trying to figure out. But right now, I look at it, and I think if they lose tonight, it's going to be an ugly offseason in Lexington. Um, Just because the amount of blue here, um, Kentucky is good, in my opinion, and I think they should be Providence. So we're, we're setting up for a Providence win. That's what's happening, by the way. That's coming from them. Well, how have Kentucky fans traveled for this? We saw they showed up in droves in Nashville a week ago, but they were one and done in the SEC tournament on that that Friday night. Uh, What does the crowd look like? 
What was the crowd? I'm always fascinated watching. I've been to many of these tournament venues. When the underdog is in the game or starts making a charge, how the entire arena unites behind the underdog. What was it like in that venue today for Kennesaw State and what they were doing? And were all the blue Kentucky fans in the building at that point cheering on Kennesaw State? Like you, you had a nice contingent. You know, you got seen on TV. It's like one section for for the, the visiting team or each team that's here. But there were Kennesaw State fans everywhere. You have to remember this is their first ever NCAA tournament appearance. Um, you know, three years ago they were one in twenty eight. The coach talked about it after the game. They had three hundred fifty fans, at, you know, uh, attending their regular season basketball games. He had more than that sitting here for the NCAA tournament. I, you know, it was fun atmosphere, Jed. Uh, I don't, I've seen Kentucky jerseys, like some Kentucky jerseys, but I'll be honest, I don't see much blue here. Besides, and there's a problem. Pittsburgh's got a section to my right, and they're all wearing blue and yellow. And if we're talking about wildcat blue, I don't see a lot. And, and I know it's different sessions, but Kentucky fans, they buy up all the tickets. And, and I'm surprised that I don't see that many Kentucky fans here yet. So we'll see. Trey, Maybe they of, got the message. <laughs> yeah, Trey, speaking of surprise, I was surprised to watch A&M just get destroyed by Penn State last night after all the talk about them you know, deserving a higher seat. I still believe that. I don't think the loss proves anything to me. They lost in part because they were placed against a really good team as a 10 seed in Penn State. Uh, they still should have been a 5 seed. But they didn't show up in this tournament, and Penn State did. But were you surprised with that outcome? Yeah, Chad, I was thrown off by that. I, I thought Texas a was going to come out and play better. I knew Penn State was good from three-point uh, range, but I did not expect them to be down 18 points and, and they're just starting the second half. Uh, you know, you, the, all the argument was, well, Texas A&M, why are they a seven? Well, I mean, I, I'm not taking anything away from that part. Right? I, I still feel like I agree with you. I think they were kind of underselling a little bit, but – you don't show up in the tournament, your shots don't fall. This is what happens. You, you, you get you lose in the SEC championship game, you come out, you get bounced in the first round in Des Moines. And it's just a bad, you know, it's a bad spot for the Aggies where they didn't make the tournament last year. Make it this year, you get bounced in the first game to an opponent that I thought that they should beat. Uh, if they could control the three-point line, but they ended up didn't not. So, you know. Another SEC that I mean, that's, that's down right now. We'll have to see how that – I'm interested to see what the future of a basketball looks like, but I think they'll be okay. Um, but then we had other good games last night. Tennessee deciding, yeah, we're going to blow this 18-point lead. We're going to pull on a win. So just a crazy game. Trey Wallace with us from Greensboro, where Kentucky will take on Providence uh, coming up in a couple of hours. We'll preview Tennessee and Duke momentarily. But – also tomorrow, Trey, we have two SEC programs taking on one seeds. Arkansas has Kansas. Auburn takes on Houston. Auburn or Arkansas, which team has the best chance of taking down a number one tomorrow? Yeah, like the smart person would say Auburn because they're playing at Birmingham. You know, they're, they're playing two hundred miles away from home. They're going to have a full crowd there. I like Arkansas. I picked Arkansas to be the only. I picked them to beat Kansas. I love Nick Smith. I love Ricky Council. I love Mitchell Prince. Like that, that basketball team to me, they have the feel and the way that they play getting up and down the court. They can stick with Kansas. I, I like that. And now look, 
look at Auburn, the way that they play against, you know, decent opponent, in my opinion, in Iowa, the way they were getting up and down the court, man, like that's going to be tough for Houston. And this is not a gimme for, for, for the Cougars tomorrow. I don't know if they're one seed or not. I, I think that, you know, Auburn has a little good chance of coming out and winning that game. Um, so it, it should be a crazy atmosphere because you got Alabama and you got Auburn in the same arena. They're not playing each other. If they're playing on the same day and fans have to buy the same tickets to get in, I, I just, I, you know, that atmosphere is going to be insane tomorrow uh, down there for both games. And I do think, I, I, I think Arkansas is the team, in my opinion, that's going to win that game tomorrow. But don't be surprised if Auburn's hanging around late in the second half. Chad, you and I earlier today we were discussing Duke and Tennessee. And we, for our official picks at outkick.com slash bet, we're taking Duke minus the points. But, Chad, set up for Trey. You you do have this feeling of this could be a, a matchup where Tennessee actually turns it on. I think Tennessee's size can match up well with the two seven-foot young guys for Duke. Um, but Trey, I also feel like Tennessee this year, when they are attacked, they don't respond well. We saw that with a, a 13-0 run last night like with Louisiana where they could not just tread water during that time until Rick Barnes finally called a timeout. We saw it time and time again this year. But when they feel like they're slighted or they're a big underdog, I look at Kansas, I look at Alabama, I look at Texas because they had the revenge factor from losing a close game the year before. When they are on the attack, they're typically pretty good. This is one of those settings. No one is buying Tennessee. They're the higher seed, but no one believes they're going to win. Everyone knows Duke. Everyone loves Duke because they've been playing so well. I'm not picking Tennessee to win this game. But it would not surprise me if they come up with a great effort in this game against Duke. What do you think? Well, to be honest with you, it wouldn't shock me if Tennessee comes out and beats Duke by, by 15 points tomorrow, Chad. Wow. Like this, this team, let me phrase this the right way. I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee won by 15. I wouldn't be surprised if Duke came out and beat Tennessee by double digit points either. Um, Tennessee has a, a tendency, it's not even a tendency anymore. They do it pretty much every Scoring droughts. Other teams get back in the game. Tennessee struggles to make a shot. Um, you, you, you saw it last night. I think that them being able to hold on against Louisiana, uh, that showed some grit uh, from that Tennessee team. Look, Duke's good. It's a really good basketball team. They've come on strong over the last month and a half. Um, Tennessee has some players. If you can get shots like that from Jemai Mayshack, you can get Viscovi driving the basketball. Triple J hitting his shots outside the paint. You know, you you got yourself a, an opportunity, but it's going to come down to Olivier. It's going to come down to Euros uh, in the paint. And, and if they're able to do anything when it comes to rebounding, when it comes to not bringing the ball down and getting back up the shot, it's just it's got that feeling where you don't really know what to expect because you've seen Tennessee and you've kind of seen Duke play. But it just wouldn't surprise me if, if Tennessee just, just won that game tomorrow convincingly, somehow just breaks it open on offense, and then we're all sitting here like, oh, man, where the heck was that? You know, it's it, 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 I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those games where I think that overall Tennessee has the better defense, in my opinion. But can they do anything on offense? I think kind of uh, – makes me double-think my selection of, of Tennessee going to MSG. So, you can't ask for bigger stakes, guys. Tennessee wins tomorrow. They're going to Madison Square Garden.
uh, there's an opportunity if Kentucky, Kentucky and Tennessee fans and MSG uh, next weekend. It's, we're setting up to some craziness, I think, when it comes to some of these SEC squads. That would be awesome. Trey Wallace will have it covered tonight with uh, Kentucky taking on Providence. Kansas State plays after that game as well. And right now, in front of him, Pittsburgh leads Iowa State 22-6 to with eight minutes remaining in the first half. Right now, Iowa State is on pace to score 20 points in this ballgame. Uh, they had their first field goal with nine minutes remaining in the game. Yeah. Or in the first half, I should say. Trey, thank you, man. There is Trey Wallace of Outkick.com. Chad, tomorrow. Furman or Princeton? Who has the best chance to advance? Furman. I, I think Furman does. Because Princeton has Missouri. Yeah. Um, I Furman don't know. has San I Diego mean, look, State. Uh, by the way, Vermont had closed to within five of Marquette after being down 14, but now Marquette hits a three, 14 minutes left in, in that half. 48 40 the score with 14 to play. Uh, make that 50-40 to 40, uh, with 14 minutes to play. And uh, the other matchup right now, Creighton and NC State underway. And in the South region, it's Creighton by three. 11-8 to eight the score. 10-49 remaining first half. Still to come, Iona and UConn with Rick Pitino taking on Hurley. And Purdue, the one seed out of the east, Fairleigh Dickinson and Purdue will tip off at 5.50 Eastern. Here's what's interesting, by the way. Both those teams, Princeton and Furman moving on, they get a team that's similar style to them. Yeah. Princeton's going to shoot a ton of threes. Missouri's going to shoot a ton of threes and move the ball quick. Um, Furman's going to play a slow-it-down team in San Diego State, who they just saw. And they're sort of a team built in that image also. Yeah. So I would say Furman over San Diego State more likely. But both should be really good games. Keep you updated on all the scores. And when we return, John McClain joins us from Las Vegas. We'll get his take as he's watching the tournament from the sports books there. And we'll dive into the week that was across the NFL. All the storylines from the opening week of free agency. This is Outkick 360. Davey Hudson about to give us some live in-game scores, some finals from earlier today in the NCAA Also, by the way, a real treat yeah. whenever Sleepy Danny oh, is Sleepy in Danny's, studio with us. Yeah, especially when it's his birthday. It's like a once a – yeah, happy birthday to happy Sleepy birthday. Danny, but it's like a once a – it's a it's – a, it's, it? I feel like it's a biannual thing at this point, not even once a year. It's every other year. Was it we were a year blessed ago, with Sleepy Danny's Was presence. it really a year ago? I, it was. His it was party. a year ago tonight that he stood on a bed and gave a speech to his yeah. birthday party. We talked about that. You were uh, – oh. You were not in the room at the time, but we talked about last year's party, and he the great gave party. me some insight to this year's party, and I had to immediately inform him that I'm not available <laughs> oh. <laughs> for tonight's party. But John guys have fun. is having a party in Las Vegas. We'll check in in just a moment. But, uh, Davey, give us the in-game scores right now for the tournament. Right, Hut. So, I mean, we're, we're hitting that stride where we got multiple games in. We have three that are live at the moment. Marquette. In the second half, about to hit the 12 under. They are leading Vermont 51 to 43. We go over. Uh, good news Iowa State finally scored okay. uh, a field goal. It took, they did not score a field goal until 10 minutes into the game. Wow. Those Cyclones. So, uh, right now, the 11 seed Pittsburgh Panthers are beating the six seed Iowa State Cyclones 26 to 15 with four minutes left in the first half on that one. And then the other game that just got into action, uh, we have the NC State Wolfpack taking on the 
Creighton Blue Jays. Creighton up 18 to 12. We just hit the under eight there. I need NC if State. It's, if it's go. 26 to, it's now 26 to 17. Yeah, they're yeah, back. Another basket. You are feeling great if you're Iowa State right now. Yes. That thing was 22 to two. I think at one point it's With now 26 17. Pittsburgh has fallen on hard times now. So uh, Iowa State mounting a comeback. Final scores: uh, Michigan State advances past USC by 10 72 62. Xavier wins over Kennesaw State in what was a great game earlier today, 72-67. St. Mary's, the victor by 12 over VCU. And John McLean's Baylor Bears. They get it done against UC Santa Barbara, 74-56. John joins us from Las Vegas. John, did you win some money on your Baylor Bears? I did. I won some money yesterday, and I lost on those choking dog Texas A&M Aggies (laughs) who just stunk it up. And today I've got a, besides Baylor in 10 and a half, I have uh, a three-team parlay with uh, Baylor, Iowa State, and Kansas State. And let me tell you, I was while I'm sitting here waiting on you guys, I am sweating big time on Iowa State, who won their last two games of the season over Baylor. So I've never been to Vegas on the first round of the tournament. A good friend of mine in Houston, Gary Horn, has told me, you got to come out here. It's great. We got great seats right in the middle of the sports book. Suites comped because of my buddy Gary Horn. We're having a blast. It would have ruined it all, of course, if Baylor had lost to UC Santa Barbara. And University of Houston, I'm pulling for them because I'm from Houston. But also, Mattress Max trying to make it two in a row. He bet on Kansas last year before the tournament. And he bet on University of Houston before the season. John McClain with us, gallerysports.com, the website. What is Mattress Mac like during the tournament compared to any other sporting event? I would imagine it's even more glorious and over the top. Well, I'll tell you guys something. When he bets, he doesn't watch them. Now, (laughs) he is in Birmingham, but ordinarily, he's at his store, Gallery Furniture, every morning at 6.30, and he doesn't leave till 8.30. And if he has something he has to do, like last Saturday, he and I were grand marshals of the St. Patrick's Day Parade. So he went to the store, then he came downtown, then he went back to the store. Now he's in Birmingham cheering on those Cougs. And the only other time I've known him to spend the night away from Houston was during the World Series when he went to Philadelphia, which turned out to be one of the best moves he ever made because he got into it with some Philadelphia fans who were giving Jose Altuve a uh, hard time, and Mac just went ballistic with F-bombs, which is very uncharacteristic of him. And that even endeared him even more to the fans in Houston, like he's taking up for his kids. So he's having a blast. Although, if you picked the University of Houston to win it all, and they've lost their best player again, and one of their other best players has a hyperextended knee, you can't be feeling good about them Winning it all. Yeah, John, that's going to be my question is what, how high or low are spirits right now based on Houston's injury problems as they get set to take on Auburn? They're putting on a happy face, Chad Lack, asking like, you know, next. They haven't used the cliche I hear every stinking day during the NFL season, next man up. I never use that in a quote. Doesn't I work that way in basketball. Never, no. never use one day at a time. And in basketball, Cougars are pretty deep, and uh, they should still 
reach Sweet 16, maybe the Final Four, which is in Houston. In a perfect world, they'd go to the Final Four. They were there two years ago, got knocked out by those fighting Baylor Bears, Sikkim Bears. And uh, I'd like to see them do it again because Kelvin Sampson's a class coach. I think Alabama and Houston, when healthy, are the two best teams in college basketball. John McClain with us. John, let's recap what's been a very busy week, as usual, for the first week of free agency and with all the trades as well. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. We know he wants to be there. We know that the Green Bay Packers want a a, a decent package in return from New York. And the Packers currently with the leverage based on the timetable of when they would have to pay Aaron Rodgers the $58 million that he's owed if he stays there and he's not going to. What do you make of the Rodgers announcement and the fact that the Jets are trying to pay less than what they're ultimately going to pay in the long run? I am sick and tired of hearing about Aaron Rodgers. And I'm sure I'm like everybody in the country except Jets fans. Even Packers fans are tired of hearing about Rodgers. Let him go crawl back in a hole in a darkness retreat and never come out again. He loves the drama. I've never seen a guy, as he gets older, love drama more than Rodgers does. He's going to Jets. We know it. Jets know it. Packers know it. Wash your hands of him. Get rid of him. Let him go on at 39 with his 6-7 and seven playoff record since 2010 when he won his only Super Bowl, and go up there and have to answer the questions from the Jets media that he did not like answering from the Packers media. Now, that part I can't wait to see when we get into the season. It is a bit uncanny, the parallels with Favre and Rodgers. Same time frame, Rodgers waited three years, Jordan Love is waiting three years, um, and they're both being traded to the Jets. Who says Aaron Rodgers didn't learn anything from Brett Favre? I'll tell you something (laughs) about the end for Favre. For three years in a row, he had told him he's retiring. And Mike McCarthy, the coach, they waited. Ted Thompson, the general manager, they'd wait, they'd wait. But they thought the last time he was serious, and on their way to the Senior Bowl, they went to his house in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and they said, look, now are you retiring because we've made Aaron wait three years, and we'd love to have you back. But if you're retiring, we need to know it. He said, I'm retiring. So when they got back, there was a meeting, and, and Mike McCarthy was holding a football, and he tossed it to Rodgers, who was really popular with his teammates. Favre at his own office, and he stayed away. And Rodgers was just one of the guys. And he said, it's your team now. A couple months later, Favre wants to come back. Too late. So they trade him to the Jets. And uh, hopefully, Rodgers' trade to the Jets goes better than Favre's trade to the Jets because that was short-lived and a couple of things came out that were kind of ugly. John, which team to you made the most sense by the moves that they made this week? Oh, boy, Jonathan. I would have to – let me think a minute. I bring this up. Um, I bring this up because normally you you don't win anything the first week of free agency. Ask the Washington Redskins from years ago, right? No, yeah, but the the Jaguars usually win it every year. They were they yeah. were champions of March, and when they spent a fortune last year, we made fun of them. Hey, champions again of March, and then some of those guys paid dividends and they won the AFC South. I'd say the Bears, not just for the trade, but other moves they've made. They've got a whole bunch of new players, and I think it'd be incredibly ironic if Jalen Carter's stock fell to them at mm. number nine. In my mock draft, my first one, I have him going to Seattle. 
Seattle has everything on offense, and the Seahawks are trying to build the defense, and they've proved in the past they don't care about character. So I think I have them getting him in five, which would be great value based on his talent level, although he certainly hadn't done anything to distinguish himself this offseason. But, uh, in fact, I was looking on the boards at Caesars to a long shot to bet on. Commanders are 90 to nothing. A 90 to one. I told my wife, Carol, who's a diehard Redskins fan, she's so fired up about Daniel Snyder about to sell. And so I said, we'll go in there and put 100 bucks on the commanders 90 to one. And because those odds are going to go down with Snyder sales. Another one was Seattle at 60 to one. Hmm. Now, considering Geno Smith played so well and their offense is so good, they have runners, receivers, offensive linemen, and you know they're going to help their defense. I, I told her put 100 on them, and the worst in the league are the Texans at 250 to 1. I think the Titans are like 150. But what I don't understand, the Bears won fewer games than the Titans. I mean, the one fewer game than the Texans, and yet the Texans are 250 to 1, and the Bears are 90 to 1. How did that happen? What have the Bears done to make the odds makers think they're that much better? chance to win the Super Bowl and several other teams, including the Colts and the Titans and the Texans. John, we haven't talked to you since the Panthers traded with Chicago to get the number one overall selection. What was the reaction in Houston um, and in knowing that the Texans have the number two pick because Lovey Smith went for two in the win? Well, first of all, I've been saying for quite a while, I don't have a problem with C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. They're different quarterbacks. I like them both. And that's not based on what I think. That's based on what I, people I trust who have scouted both of them and long ways to go in the scouting process. But um, now what I, I'll tell you this, Frank Reich has never had a starting quarterback, a regular starting quarterback, shorter than 6'3". If you think back to when he was with San Diego, Phil Rivers, 6'5". He goes to Philadelphia, Carson Wentz, 6'5", Nick Foles, 6'6". He goes to Indy. Kobe Brissett is 6'3", was the shortest. Now, Sam Ellinger is 6'2", when they drafted him, but he was never a starter. So is he going to give up all that for a quarterback who's 5'10 and an 8? Now, I know Adam Schefter said this week, it's Bryce Young. I don't buy anything anybody says during the lying season. It may ultimately be. But I could see Reich with a five-year contract. I could see him taking Stroud. Or I could even see him taking Anthony Richardson if Richardson hits home runs in his pro day, in his private workouts, in his meetings, his lunches, and his dinners, and his visits to Carolina. And then the Texans would have a choice of both. And if they do, they better get it right. And then everybody thinks the Colts are going to swap a spot with Arizona to keep another team from swapping a spot with Arizona. And then Arizona at four can take the best defensive lineman and the best pass rusher, Will Anderson Jr., who has nothing wrong with his character. John McClain with us. The decision for Orlando Brown, he wanted big money. He gets it in Cincinnati, the highest that we've seen a left tackle paid. Now Jonah Williams is asking for a trade. After yesterday, we thought he was moving to right tackle in Cincinnati, but it's a, it's a nice addition for their franchise quarterback and Joe Burrow, and we know Burrow's about to get paid as well. I'm not so sure Jonah Williams, when he's healthy, he's not a better left tackle than Orlando Brown. Brown's a better right tackle. But the uh, fact is, they thought they had those problems in the offensive line solved last year. 
And then they had injuries in the playoffs, and that's basically what kept them from uh, going to the Super Bowl. I thought they were going to beat the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl, and guys kept getting hurt. I bet you Williams will move. Usually when I want to be traded means I want more money. Yeah. And I think uh, there's no way Cincinnati to make the move for Orlando Brown isn't going to trade a starting left tackle when the offensive line is their primary issue. Now, I'm, I tell you what I'm eager to wait for on them. Joe Mixon was exonerated. His sister was not from that issue. And some of the stuff, if you read Google Joe Mixon and the problems that he was in and what his agent was talking about, kids playing Nerf ball, it's unbelievable. So Mixon's out. Samaji Pirine's gone, and he's a good backup. They need to add more depth to the backfield. I just put another $100 on Cincinnati at 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Those were my three bets for 300 bucks. And uh, I I think some of those teams make good moves early in free agency. Some spent bad money. Texans, what they did early was just boring, put me to sleep. Then they signed Jimmy Ward, who had played with the 49ers, and he'll bring the culture and started safety next to Jalen Petrie. They traded for Shaq Mason to play right guard, cut their right guard, A.J. Ken. And then they got Case Keenum to come in here. All those people that bought it, that they were after Jimmy Garoppolo, that was a bunch of BS. Garoppolo wasn't coming here. He's a good backup quarterback, and I'll bet you he's gone from the Raiders after one year. So Keenum coming here signals that Davis Mills is gone, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Tim Kelly, the offensive – is Tim the offensive coordinator? Yep. That Tim didn't whisper in Mike Vrabel's ear, hey, let's get that kid Davis Mills here because the last five games of his rookie year with Kelly calling the plays, he was really good. And Vrabel knows it because they had to win the last game of the year in Houston to get home field advantage. And Mills had three touchdowns, no interceptions, over 300 yards, a 128 rating, and the Titans squeaked by by three points. So I've been predicting when Mills is gone, he'll end up with the Titans. John, you mentioned the Raiders. Speaking of them, do you feel of those top four quarterbacks, Stroud, Young, Levis, Richardson, in whatever order, are all of them off the board after the Raiders pick in the top ten picks? I think there's so many teams, Chad Lack, that need quarterbacks. Does Washington, after one game, really going to go with Sam Howell, or would they trade up? What about the other teams in the NFC South? I think if the Raiders want the fourth quarterback, they're going to have to trade up to get him somewhere right behind the Colts, and then those guys will be gone. It's amazing. They all have flaws, but it's amazing how much higher rated they are than the quarterbacks this time last year when Kenny Pickett was the only first-round pick. But I think the Raiders, they're Josh McDaniels. If he kept Jimmy Garoppolo for three game, three years, then that'd be four years into his career with Mark Davis. If you get a young guy, like say Will Levis is the one who's left, then you buy some time, you buy some patience. So I think that contract's written where Garoppolo be there a year and he could easily be gone. John McClain with us. It, it's hard to hate what the Giants have done, John. That Darren Waller, uh, that, that pick that they received when they made the trade with Kansas City at the, at the trade deadline, they flip pick 100 and get Darren Waller in return to Las Vegas. And it's another weapon for Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley in the backfield. This is a, a nice offense that's continuing on the upward trajectory for what we've seen from that coaching staff and Brian Dayball. 
they signed their best receiver, Sterling Shepard, to another one-year contract. They're doing what you have to do, put some weapons around the quarterback. Now, uh, Waller missed 10 games last year. He misses a bunch of games this year. I still don't blame him for trying because two years ago, he was outstanding. Man, last season, the Raiders were so pumped to have him and Renfro and Adams. They were ready to light it up, you know, what they say about the best laid plans. But I think the Giants, right now, the way they're building that team, they're doing it the smart way. John, uh, Jimmy G with the Raiders, he's 40 and 17 as a starter in the NFL. Now, we know he starts about 60% of the games as well. Speaking of injuries, he's normally hurt. What do you? What are the expectations for Jimmy Garoppolo in Vegas? And based on that contract, are the Raiders in play for a quarterback as high as number seven? Uh, with all due respect to you, Jonathan, I think Chadillac could have a record like that if he played with the 49ers. You think back I to think so too, John. Thank you for acknowledging line. that. Yeah, I could do you're it. You're welcome. How about Trey Lance? And, and, and you're still <laughs> in good shape. And all the moves they made, and remember the year they went to the Super Bowl, he didn't throw the ball much. Yeah. And the fact is, if Kyle Shanahan's pretty shrewd judge of talent, and he's a good play caller, he didn't want Garoppolo. He loved Garoppolo so much, he gave up three ones, got one back. So ultimately, two ones to get Trey Lance, who played one game as last year at North Dakota State. So far, that had worked very well. And uh, Garoppolo last year was treated like he had some kind of disease. He wasn't even practicing with him. And then when Purdy got hurt, they had to bring him over, and he's a class act. But I still think the Raiders, if they think Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer to their quarterback issues, especially with his injury problems, they're nuts. I think they're going to be going after that fourth quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, to now, bu- here's excuse me, Jonathan. Yeah, one ahead. other thing, I've heard people say that. Well, they could they could take a position player and get Hendon Hooker in the second round. I don't think Hendon Hooker is going to be there in the second round. I think somebody is going to get him in the bottom of the first round. And the two things wrong with him, of course, he's got a knee injury. Looks real good after three months. And he said, "Well, he's going to be a 25 year old rookie." Well, that means he wouldn't be playing till he's 26. But if he played till he's 35, that's a 10-year career. Would you take a quarterback today if you knew you could have it for 10 years? Now, maybe they won't, but the age factor is not nearly as important as it used to be because so many players are taking great care of themselves because they know they got a lot of money they can make. So guys playing until they're 35 is no big deal. I think Hendon Hooker, if he'd not been hurt, and I'm sure Chad agrees with me, knowing how he loves the balls, that he would have been right up there, maybe third, I'm with you too. Yeah. No, no more than fourth, ahead of Will Levis, if he hadn't blown out his knee. And whoever gets him, it's going to be a good and shrewd draft choice. I'm still holding out hope, John, that there's a surprise, and he is ahead of one of those guys uh, in the top 10 or 15 in the draft. Don't think it'll happen, but uh, maybe someone will see the light and draft him ahead of Will Levis. All it takes is one – Team right. fall in love with Hooker. And based on his interviews in Indy, everybody was really impressed with him. They were impressed with his attitude, the way he talked, his knowledge, everything. Now, they think he's going to need some time, but, hey, they got time. So he needs to go to a team that has a veteran quarterback who's in the last year of his contract or has a contract they can get out of, like the Raiders. And I don't know that he'd be drafted that high, but 
he's gonna there's gonna be five draft choices at quarterback in the first round, and he's gonna be one. And I'm not saying he's gonna be the best, but he he could be among the best. John, what do you think the Bills are doing clearing up the cap space uh, other than just dropping the number by Allen and, and Von Miller? They, they cleared up nearly $30 million in space by doing that. And the thought is they're either – I think the, the majority of people automatically point to Odell Beckham Jr., but he's not going to get what he's asking for in the open market. That's pretty clear. There's plenty of receivers out there and, and, and in the draft. But the run game, doesn't the run game need to be addressed and – when you hear that Austin Eckler wants to be traded or the rumblings here in Nashville about Derrick Henry, what do you think the Bills are thinking? I think the Bills have some plans to fortify some issues, and they don't have many issues. If they were to get like B. John Robinson and they're not, they'd have to trade way up. I have him going to Philadelphia 10th overall. That guy's got not one blemish mm. on his uh, resume. He is the perfect candidate born in the wrong era. And if the Bills could get him, I'd make him the Super Bowl favorite. What if the Chiefs found a way to get him? They want a back who's 5'11", 215, runs a 4'4", catches better than wide receivers, can line up wide in the slot. It's been a lot of talk in Houston. Texans should take him 12. They could use another back and they could use another receiver. But I think the Bills are smart enough to know that uh, Sean McDermott, him being got a plan, and I'm not sure it's filling in with a couple other veterans. And I can't wait to see what it is because they will be a Super Bowl contender. The key to all that is Josh Allen did not play as well uh, under Ken Dorsey as he did for Brian Dable. He needs to bounce back because he kind of regressed. And if they do something with the running game and he progresses a little bit, they'll be right up there with the Chiefs. John McClain is in Las Vegas for the NCAA tournament. He's about to get back to the sports books. And when we come back, we will be giving the scoreboard updates. John, congrats again to your Baylor Bears. Always enjoy the conversation. And thanks for making time for us on this Friday afternoon out there in Nevada. Congrats on the winnings. Thanks very much, Chad. Like Jonathan, hopefully I can win some more. Good luck to the Vols. And you guys have a great rest of the week. Thank you very much, as always. Yes. As always here as well, gallerysports.com, uh, the great uh, John McClain writes there. You can read his work and opinion on the NFL draft and everything else involving uh, what is going to be a crazy NFL offseason. Uh, crazy story with a fair or foul scenario we have straight ahead involving a stripper pole and March Madness and scores. That's next on Outkick 360. Chad, I think you're going to be dead on about Marquette. They win today 78-61 over Vermont. And you have them as a one of your favorites to make a run in the tournament. I have them in the Final Four playing Alabama in the National Semi. Baylor wins over UC Santa Barbara. And Xavier by five over Kennesaw State earlier today, 72-67. St. Mary's over VCU, 63-51. And Michigan State, they top USC, 72-62. Just underway, the Gales. Iona, they're up by one, 6-5 over UConn with Rick Pitino. Coaching in what could possibly be his last game as the head coach at Iona. 
or he advances and becomes more of a storyline than we thought going into the tournament as a 13 seed taking on the four seed UConn. That would be a bracket buster for me. I've got UConn making it a run. A lot of people don't like UConn based on their, their matchups and how the guards can attack them. I, I Watching them this year, I, I like what I've seen in the, the limited glimpse, Chad. But I like what I've seen from a lot of teams. No, they're very all deep. Season. I like UConn a lot, too. We got turned on. I'm going to save this for Dan Dockich because it's his story to okay. break. Okay. But we got turned on to a little... Well, he uh, said it on the show today. He did? Yes. The hack? Yes. Go ahead. Um, You're right. At, at halftime of every game, bet the under for the game. At halftime. The game under. He stressed this. We are Not four, the second half under. We're 4-0 right now. I know. Doing that today. <laughs> uh, this is pretty good knowledge to That's have. That's lake just, house damage right there If you saw right me on my Dan phone, Dockich. I'm I'm on my, my FanDuel app. And I am putting in two bets for two games at halftime on both unders. Now that I've said that, they'll probably all lose. But buyer beware. But do it. Do it. Dockage well represented, of course, on, on the Outkick Network. Joe Kinsey well represented on the show today. Mo like a champion with the Thursday Night Mowing League, which will be back soon. TNML. I'm a member. Join And, up. you know, he, he finds some great stories on Reddit. And there's one uh, from a father. The user is, am I the a-hole? Uh, he's asking users, he's 47, he has a 22-year-old daughter going to college and living on campus. I agreed to make her car payments since she was in school, he writes. The dad wants to know if he's the guilty one for being the, you know, uh, the a-hole. That's what he writes here. Because he hit the nuclear bomb button and stopped helping her with car payments due to her stripping. She found out, she was informed by a young man that I work with, that my daughter strips at a club about 40 minutes away. I confronted her on this. She said she didn't plan to do it after she graduated. She needed some money. I told her, go work at McDonald's, not use your body. Um, I'm with the father here based on the payments he's making and the money that she's claiming that she needs. As the father of girls, yes. let me have the camera here as I say this. and Let me be very clear about this. There is no other choice but to cut her off at this point. There's not even a discussion to be had. This question is asked by people who aren't parents of daughters, clearly. But also, you're giving someone money for car payments because they're in school and they're having a hard time paying them with a job they have. If you're telling me you're making so much money stripping that you must continue stripping for that reason, what I'm hearing is, this is against everything I want you to do, but also... You're doing it solely for financial gain. Well, with that financial gain, you can learn about the real world and pay your car payments with yes. it also. Uh, you're cut off. No more car payment money from me or any dad. This dad is absolutely doing the right thing. No one should question it. Uh, I'm amazed in the story that his wife said, hold on now, let's not act rash. She needs a car. You're being awfully harsh here about this. Let's not cut off her a car payment. Give me a break. Well, McDonald's of is paying like cut how, them off. $24 an hour now or they something? They can't find workers. Yeah. They can't find workers. Because they're at the strip club, I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a financial decision, okay? Like, the young woman has decided, I'm going to make more money doing this. I, yeah. You know, not my kid, but putting myself in this, this dad's shoes... This is the move. You are an a-hole, as he describes he himself, yeah. if you don't do what he's doing. Agreed. You are, you are hurting the development yeah. totally of a young fair. person yeah, by, foul. by not totally cutting fair. her off. Totally so, fair. 
This is absolutely the move by this man. Coming up, NCAA scores and reaction to what we've seen in the bracket thus far. We're going to tell you our picks for the evening session. We'll also peek ahead to tomorrow's matchups. A couple of Cinderella's are playing, maybe a special guest in hour number three. And we take a glimpse at the NFL. The NFC QBs, last year, not great. And take a look at them this year, maybe worse. This is Outkick 360.